Hey everyone, welcome to this first Halloween-themed edition of The Dapper Meeple. This show is all about our love of gaming, the games we play, and what's going on in our gaming community. On this horror-themed edition of our show, we're going to talk about what's going on for a spooky good night of gaming in Hampton Roads. Then we'll have a ghoulishly good time looking at some scary games to play with your friends. Along with favorite Halloween memories, critical role coming to the big screen, and of course our Kickstarter roundup. So kill the lights, hold your candle close, and settle in for this probably not really terrifying episode of The Dapper Meeple. So growing up, Halloween was always one of those things that was kind of a weird holiday, at least for me when I was little. Um, as I've gotten older, I've noticed that, one, most of the women that I end up dating, like Halloween's like their favorite thing. So I don't know if that says something about me and I might have a type, um, but it's definitely been a theme in a lot of relationships. Um, and then I've got a lot of my friends that I've met playing around the table which always they really seem to be big into Halloween. Do you have any favorite Halloween memories? Um, for me, we didn't really do Halloween either when I was little. That's probably from our parents. Yeah. Uh, it wasn't really like I saw the costumes, like all that sort of stuff. But where we lived too, we didn't have trick-or-treaters because, you know, not too many people wanted to go down you know, 180 foot long driveway into the I woods. I was going to say the dark, scary dirt road. <laughs> That comes off of the pavement? Yeah. Yeah, that could be a thing. Yeah, it's not the most inviting to those people who are looking for candy. My first kind of Halloween experience didn't come until after uh, I met my wife. Uh, her work used to do a like little Halloween party, like some of the other people she worked with. Um, and it was people we, like I met them, we actually played in a kickball league for a while. Uh, and we did a Halloween theme party there um, every year. So the couple of years that she was still up there working, uh, that was a, my first experience with like Halloween was an adult like Halloween party. So that was fun, though. Um, we got to do, you know, the usual dress up, you know, play games, drinks, that sort of thing. Yeah. So, yeah, it, it was a good time. Um, and then, of course, we did um, once we moved back down to South Carolina we did like the passing out candy and stuff like that, but that was pretty much it. I mean, I've heard of trunk or treats, right. which is the the Christian version of Halloween. Is that where that started? Um, I don't know if that's where it officially started, but that's what they all adopted. That and the fall festival, right? Right. That yeah. was that was there. Well, yeah, we both we both went to uh, private school, not like cool preppy private school, like Jesus is the answer private school. Um, which it was really heavy religious. So yeah, we always had the fall festival every year. Right. Where it was like, we're going to do this at the same time as Halloween, but we're not competing and it's not the same thing. But if you want to wear a costume, I was always very confused as a child on that. So yeah. Yeah. I don't have a lot. Like I have pictures of me and the kid next door dressed up as like super, like those old school, like eighties, you put the mask on with the right. rubber band on the back of your head. Yep. Um, it was it was hideous and terrifying to look back on it now. Like, I really didn't realize how much we were just traumatizing ourselves in the future. Um, but yeah, um, for, it was the same for me that I really didn't do anything for it until I was an adult. Yeah, I had a I had a Power Rangers costume that was the exact same way. Um, yeah, the like the they call it like morph suits now. It was like the full one piece body suit. Yeah, right. And then. 
Yeah, that horrible plastic mask. That's you. What color were you? Uh, I, I think it was the Black Ranger, and I don't know why because that was never one of my favorite ones. But I see that's the color I seem to remember that costume being. I, I now there have been several versions of the Power Rangers. Like, oh, it was it was OG like Black Ranger with the mammoth. Okay, like, yeah, 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 yeah. All right, I'm with you. Yeah, I'm with you with Kimberly. Uh like. <laughs> I don't know how many dudes I've talked to. Yeah, that was my that was my first crush. Speaking of chicks who like Halloween, um, I <laughs> I could see that being a theme with uh with the people you've dated, but I mean I I think it's just a fun time, just in general. I mean, uh, especially you talked about friends in our community that like that sort of thing. I think because cosplaying is also an integrated part of this kind of gaming and nerd community. Right. Uh, it's kind of an e- excuse to be a cosplayer, even if you're not really a great I, one. Yeah, right. Right. Yeah. You don't have to hand make your whole costume to be able to wear it kind of thing. Um, oh, but I've had this really great idea for a Reinhardt from Overwatch for years now. Of just building that costume, that bigger than life power armor <laughs> costume with a big, you know, giant ass hammer. So, but yeah, because I mean, I, I have a couple of friends of mine that are cosplayers and they're like fantastic at it. And it just feels like Halloween for a lot of us is just, we're going to give it a chance. Yeah. But I, I think that's, I mean, that's part of the appeal to it. Um, the whole being able to to do something you wouldn't normally do. Yeah. Like dress a way you wouldn't normally dress. Um, and I think that can be, that can be fun, like and exciting, no matter exactly how you do it. Uh, I think it's a good time to get together and really highlight um, maybe some movies, games, that sort of thing that we don't always do regularly. Oh, right. Um, which we'll talk about, of course, later on in another segment of about some kind of Halloween or scary themed games that we'll we'll go into. Um, but what are some of the things that are happening uh, in our area, at least for this coming up Halloween season? The area that we're in, just for people that may be new that are listening from somewhere else. Um, we are, live in Virginia beach, but this whole area is kind of known as the Hampton roads area. So it's Virginia beach, Norfolk, Chesapeake, uh, Portsmouth, Hampton, Newport news. Like this whole area is just kind of one big, we're not really divided up by the cities here. Like for people that live here, we go all over the place. And I always feel like one, we have the biggest Navy population for the U S Navy of anywhere else in the world. So there's a lot of people that are transient coming in and out of here. A lot of people from other areas that are here. Um, it always kills me how little of these kind of things we get the same problem with like concerts don't ever stop. So yeah, I don't, this area always seems to get overlooked for a lot of stuff. So when I was looking, there's not as much as I thought there was going to be going on for Halloween. We have a couple game stores in the area, which I really feel like, like this is a good opportunity like, if you want to do, like, an extra life or something, doing a Halloween-themed, you know, something for it just feels like like that would be right and, like, perfect for this time of year. Or even just a general, like, community-type outreach sort of thing. Yeah. I mean, just not only for the good of the store to bolster, you know, foot traffic into the store, but, I mean, just, again, to reach out to the people in your community because uh, I mean, local game stores are something that we advocate for heavily here. Um, but 
I mean, it's more than just hearing somebody, you know, encourage you to go to your local game store. It's also on that store itself to really integrate itself into a community. So Atlantis Games, which is kind of my go to, has an event posted for the 28th. I'm sorry, the 23rd. So it's this weekend coming up and they are doing a Halloween spooktacular food drive. You can go onto their uh, Facebook page and kind of get the information for it. Um, the location is set as their Portsmouth location, but reading into it, it looks like it's at both. Um, entry is a minimum of five food drive donation items or a $5 donation. It starts at 4 o'clock and will go to 11.30. All donations will start being accepted at both Atlantis locations, so here in Norfolk and in Portsmouth. Um, so what do you get when you enter? First, they give you a goodie bag. It includes event badges that will get you access to the Halloween celebration events, which are going on in the store, free food and beverage, tabletop gaming, spooky video games, Halloween Adventure League modules, horror movie marathon, and more that they've got going on there. Um, they'll also be running their annual costume contest along with it, which, again, perfectly makes sense. And they have it the way it's so October 23rd, 24th. Go to either location in costume, get your picture taken to enter into the costume contest. So they're going to take pictures and then... And then do online do voting. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the 25th through the 30th will be voting on Facebook and Instagram. So you can go back to their social media and actually we're going to be voting on the costumes. Um, and winners will be announced on the 31st. So I love this idea. Like we've always been, you know, big about game stores building community. And I think doing like a food drive... You know, um, especially with, I mean, it's been a rough year. It's been a rough couple of years. Uh, it sounds great. So if you're around, if you're in the Hampton Roads area, um, go check out what Atlantis has going on this weekend. And if you're going to enter into the costume contest, good luck. The other big one that I found. So we got our first board game cafe. Right. It's called Roll With It. Well done on the name. Right. And the guy that owns it, um, I'm pretty sure he's in league with the Tidewater Gaming Group that meets. Uh, they meet like once a week to play and stuff. We haven't had a chance to get there because schedules. Um, but he opened up his own cafe and basically it's a, it's a pretty limited menu. I went there for lunch. Um, it was good. Like, I mean, don't get me wrong. It was like press sandwiches and soups and stuff. But they're already expanding the menu because they didn't have a lot of dessert. And I don't know how you feel, but as a fat dude, <laughs> you're going to have to give me some dessert. Um, that's got to be on the menu. <laughs> so they have started that. They rolled out a bunch of uh, new desserts. They had like a dessert tasting where everything was like half off and stuff. Uh, so they're really, they're improving their menu and stuff. But the people, the, the servers are also kind of like the game experts. So they know how to play all the different games that are on the wall. Uh, and his wall, he's got something like, oh, it says over 600 games. And it kind of starts on one side as like, you know, Milton Bradley stuff. Like right. one of the eight different versions of Monopoly that they've got there. You know, life, stuff like that. And as you move down the wall, it gets more into like us. They have a lot of like Ticket to Ride. They had a couple of uh, Sheriff of Nottingham, uh, Mysterium. Like they had a good selection of games for you to go play. And the way the cafe works is you go in there and eat, um, and it's I'm mean, reason, reasonably priced for what they got. Really good. And then everybody who wants to play pays like a $5 game fee, and you can play any game on the wall, right? You can pull them, pull them down, take them to your table. Like I said, the servers that 
are in there um, are supposed to be like the game experts. So they will walk you through. Um, it was funny. I took a group of my guys from work. We went there for lunch and I just went to look at the games and I was going through games that I liked and talked about, uh, you know, was telling people about them. And the server came up behind me and she was like, do you need it? Never mind. And just walked away. <laughs> I was like, sorry. I didn't, what do you uh, that wasn't what that was for. I was like, I just, it, I was excited. It really does look like a good time. Um, but they are a business. They are a business that is here in our local area, and they are definitely rolling out some stuff for Halloween. So there's like three events that I want to look at that they're doing the 28th, the 30th, and the 31st. So uh, I want to kick it off on the 28th, Thursday. They are going to be doing a Extra Life pregame. So uh, here locally, we support uh, the Children's Hospital of the King's Daughters, CHKD. It is a 206-bed teaching hospital with special units for neonatal and uh, pediatric intensive care, cancer care, acute inpatient, rehabilitation, medical, surgical care, and transitional care, all really kind of focused on, like, children. Uh, so that's who these, that's where the money's going to go. Um, like I said, when you go in, you pay that $5 fee per person to, like, play all the games. For that night, all of that is going to be given directly to CHKD as part of their Extra Life campaign. So, again, reaching out and building some community um, with your business. I like that. On the 30th, they will be doing their Halloween party. So, it's kind of just going to be uh, your favorite spooky games. Uh, free game passes for people in costumes so you don't have to pay the five bucks. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, so kind of, it's just kind of a come out and try out some games and see what they're going to do. I think that's the night too. They're talking about organizing a game of werewolf, which if you haven't played is one of those kind of social engineering games where you're trying to figure out who, who's good and who's bad. Uh, so that's a possibility for that night on the 31st. Uh, they are doing adult trick or treating. Uh, guests in costume get to pull out of their trick-or-treat bag for discounts, prizes, free game passes, and gift cards. So another opportunity to get dressed up and go out and play some games, win some prizes, you know, make a good night out of it. Yeah, so I haven't actually been able to make it over to roll with it yet. Uh, but I have heard wonderful reviews from a lot of people who have. Yeah, uh, It seems like a really, uh, first of all, it's a great idea. Uh, which, you know, we've heard about these popping up all over the place. So I think it's great that we have one locally now. Um, but I like how they're, again, they're taking advantage of this, like, time being able. I, I saw also they already have some Christmas events, like, scheduled. Oh, yeah. So, I, I mean, just that whole, like, bringing in the community for these sort of things, I think is excellent. Um, and especially that they're even having the one night that specifically goes towards charity. Uh, very good on them. All right, so that wraps up uh, mostly the kind of Halloween-themed things that are happening in our area. Um, take a look around some of your local stores, game stores, things like that. See what they're doing. Um, hopefully, they'll have some sort of costume contest or adult trick-or-treating or even just uh, game night-type things um, that you can go and support the store and you know have fun, meet new people, that sort of thing. Um, speaking of meeting new people, uh, let's talk about uh, conventions. Because uh, for the first time in almost two years, we are finally getting conventions back. We've had a bunch of them already have happened 
this year. Right. Uh, we've had a couple big ones just recently go off. Uh, we have a couple that we're looking forward to. Uh, so we'll take a, just a quick second and kind of go through those. So a couple weeks ago was Gen Con, right? Or how long ago? Gen Con was in August, uh, which, you know, is one of the biggest uh, gaming conventions, I don't know, worldwide. Which, when you're not great with time, was a couple weeks ago. <laughs> Everything feels like a couple weeks ago for me right now. So, uh, yeah. Uh, they are coming back in the uh, beginning of August in 2022. Yeah. Um, I think this one kind of got it started for us, though. We've been watching this kind of like what's going to happen at Gen Con is probably what's going to determine what will happen for like PAX uh, Unplugged. Right. So we kept a close eye on this one. Um, there's a lot of good stuff that came out of it. I mean, there always is. This is a chance for people to roll out, you know, their big games, the new stuff. You know, I'm sure people have been behind closed doors working on stuff, you know, and this is where they get to do the big sexy displays. They got live plays. They've got plenty of panels where you know they talk about the gaming industry and what's going on and what we're doing together so we were keeping a big eye on this one um it, from everything i've heard it was a success um there wasn't they had some uh, some of the covid protocols obviously in place yeah um, which it looks like pax unplugged is copying for for their upcoming yes um from a lot of the accounts that i've heard everybody was um all the staff there was very diligent on making sure people were following the rules, that sort of thing. And it seems like it paid off uh, from what I've heard and seen. Doesn't look like there is, I mean, outside of your normal con crud that you get just from being around that many people, they say even that was reduced this year with the protocols, which I mean, I'm all for that anyway. Right. Um, so that was really good. Uh, Gen Con being that, one of the big American events in the board game industry. Um, it's one that a lot of the companies kind of hold product to release at that date. Um, so <clears throat> there aren't as many as a normal year that came out this year, uh, but there were still quite a lot of really good releases. Again, like we said, this was kind of the, the tester con that we were watching uh, <laughs> to see kind of how it went. Um, and, you know, whether or not this was something we can get back to sooner rather than later. So good news, you know, we're looking forward now to what's coming up. Um, we've had a couple other cons, not specifically gaming related. Um, New York City New York Comic, Comic Con. Con. Um, Which they, is always a big event. Exactly. They had a they had a really good showing of people also with um, COVID protocols and things like that. Uh, that one seems to have gone well. There were a couple really awesome announcements that came out of the New York Comic Con. Uh, one of them are specifically dealing with Critical Role. Yes. So I guess their two big announcements are, well, they had they released uh, the first few minutes of footage from the animated series that they're working on, which I can say that it is definitely an adult-themed animated version. Like, if you have younger children, this may not be the thing to break them in on. Uh, don't think that's where that was going. Uh, it's definitely... Uh, it's definitely in line with kind of the online role play that they do. Um, they didn't tone a whole lot of stuff down for it. Um, but the animation was something that they started on Kickstarter a little over two years ago. They were asking for $750,000 for the opportunity to make one like 30 or 45 minutes short because they were all, you know, voice actors and stuff anyway in the animation community. And the Critter community collectively got together and said, no, fuck you. Boom. And by the time it was done, $11 million later, they were like, well, looks like we're going to make a couple seasons now. So that's what they've been working on. 
Um, I know Titmouse uh, Studios is doing their animation for them. It looks fantastic. So they released that first few minutes of film or uh, of the of an episode, and then they released the intro, which looks fantastic. Right. And Amazon actually picked it up. So once it is finished, like that's where it'll be aired at. So I mean, it's it's exciting. I think um, we were talking about this earlier. Um, it's exciting how kind of things have shifted, uh, where popular culture now is embracing like more geek and nerd type things. Uh, especially, I think Critical Role has broken the mold, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's good to see that kind of thing being more widely accepted. Right, and I, I think companies are seeing too that there's money to be made here. And if you're if you're going to do anything in the entertainment industry, that's what you've got to keep doing. Yep. All right. And as a collective community, I think we've shown them that, hey, this is we, we want more of this, less of other things. Um, and there's and there's definitely some controversy that's going along with it. Uh, the Critical Role team has taken some lumps for uh, a couple different things. Um, and we're not we're not going to go into a deep talk about that. I just I think they're doing well with what they've got. They're doing well as um as representatives for our community, could they be doing other things? Yeah, sure, we all could. Uh, you know, so I, I and I think what a lot of people, especially a lot of people that may have come to this community or become aware of this community through Critical Role, which is definitely a thing. Like we have oh, grown yeah. because of them in like leaps and bounds. I think what a lot of people forget is six years ago we there wasn't a lot of streaming games to watch. Definitely not with that production value that they put on. Oh, absolutely. When they first started, like they all were like, eh, I don't know if this is a great idea. Long form content's hard to keep people involved. You know, there was a lot of issues with it that, you know, at the time they were like, this may not work. And they were on Geek and Sundry. Felicia Day came over and asked them to come play their game in front of a camera. Yeah. Um, and that was kind of like the first boom that we got. And now you can find streams of games all over the place, but they either have learned from what critical role has done, I think, or um, they started afterwards, you know, they've either improved their show or they came in later than, you know, six years ago. And I think absolutely the uh, it's looking back now, it's tough to remember like where this hobby came from. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I had a conversation with, um, one of my coworkers the other day who is not really into this sort of thing, but I was able to convince him to try um, his first session of D and D not too long ago. And he told me, he said, you know, I, I, I wasn't really, I was happy to hang out with you guys, but I wasn't really looking forward to playing D and D, but I really enjoyed it. Um, and it, it's something different. He's like, I'm really, I'm in more into sports and that sort of thing. Not that you can't be into both, but that's usually the dichotomy that ends up coming out of it. Um, he says, it's not really my thing, but I actually really enjoyed playing. And it, it kind of brings like, this used to be the game. Like you went over to your friend's house to play in the basement that you didn't want to tell anybody about. Um, and the, the hobby has grown so much since then and has really become something much bigger than that. And I think in part due to, it's a critical role in the streams like that. Um, but I mean, we're in a whole new generation of what this hobby is. Um, and it makes stuff like this show right here possible. Like we can make content about something like that. We enjoy that used to be unpopular, but because of its popularity, like that's why we're able to do this. Right. So the other announcement 
is Campaign 3 is going to be starting on the 21st, this upcoming Thursday, which is always big anyway. Like the you're, You get the most viewership early on in one of these campaigns. But the other big announcement is that in selected theaters, they will be playing the first episode of Campaign 3. They're specifically Cinemark theaters. You can go to the Cinemark website and see if there's one near you. I looked. There is not. Um, I can't bring myself to drive to Washington, D.C., which is the closest <laughs> one. Um, I did. I will tell you that I did reach out to Cinemark, and the local theater gave me the number to the corporate line to, you know, for, you know, viewer experience line. And I called it on a Saturday at five o'clock, and somebody answered. So I was already like, wow, you guys are. <laughs> I don't know if you guys are just ahead of the game or if you're really, you need people to show up. But I asked the guy about it and he's like, look, what it's going to come down to is the distributor. And he looked it up for me and he said, oh, the, the distributor is criticalroll.com. And I was like, yes, I know them. So I went over there, sent an email. I never got anything back about trying to get it into our area. It was like, what do we need to do? Do I need a letter writing campaign? Do I need to take names? What do I, what do I need to do? And I never got an answer back. So I don't think we're actually going to get it in a theater here. Um, but maybe for somebody else, there may be one close to you. If not, it will be on their Twitch channel. And then I'm sure you can catch it on the YouTube a day or two later. Yeah. That's kind of huge, though, that they're into Campaign 3. Like this, it, it's the same group. It is the same cast, which, again, there's been some, there has been some uh, controversy around the fact that it's the same cast. And a lot of people say, well, you know, they're not just friends playing a game anymore. Now they're a multi million dollar company. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I got that, but this is what they did. And again, six years ago, they did. There's no way they knew what this was going to become. Oh, absolutely. Like this, this. I'm sure this is one. Of, when we say beyond your wildest dreams, this is exactly the scenario that we're talking about. Uh, I think they're good keeping their core cast. I think there's other things they can do, like they did. You know, um, Abrea Iyengar came in and did an eight episode series. The um, Exandria Unlimited, which was fantastic. They brought new people into the game to play. They have a guest list that is just incredible from people around, you know, the entertainment industry, because apparently this is a thing. Yeah. Um, I know like the Star Trek Discovery guys have their own game that they play on set and stuff. So, I, you know, good on them for doing to for getting to the third campaign. Any predictions on what you're expecting to see out of the third campaign? So I saw some art the other day. Um, and I think it was the artwork they released for like the new characters and stuff like that. Um, and it looks like there is a, um, Ford slash Jester, like child. I saw that. <laughs> I saw that. It's like a tiefling with tusks. Yeah. So, I mean, we'll, we'll see. Of course, you know, it's all speculation up until they actually come out with who's playing who and you know what. Right, so, right. which is part of the excitement of the new, a new campaign. Uh, but I've always enjoyed the way they've kind of weaved together um, even the different seasons with the separation of years and things like that. Mm -hmm. um, just kind of the different callbacks to it. Yeah. I mean, those are always cool and exciting. So interested to see what happens. Uh, definitely something that um, I'll be looking forward to tuning in and you know catching the new characters and seeing that sort of thing. I just want Liam to play a happy character. That's all <laughs> I want. No orphan garbage. No, my family died in a fire <laughs> wait you mean mr tragic backstory right I yeah I, I, i'm just gonna need him to play a dude that was happy with his life he did well and he was like you know what i'm young and fit 
I'm going to go be an adventurer. And that's how it worked out. He writes his mom every week and shit, right? Hey, mom, today on the adventuring trail, you know what I'm saying? That's what I want. If I get that, I think we could really spin a good story. <laughs> so that was the big stuff coming out of New York. Um, what else is coming up? Here locally, we have the Hampton Comic Con, uh, which is the 30th of October. Yep. It is a, it's definitely a smaller con. Um, it, and it's hilarious. This, like, if you look at the, go to their website, go to their Facebook, their emblem is a pig with wings. And the story apparently is the guy that puts it on was trying to get this going. And somebody told him Hampton will have a Comic Con when pigs fly. So he goes, fine. <laughs> that became their emblem. Um, I just got to appreciate that level of petty. Yeah. Uh, so that's enough reason for me to go anyway. But it is a local one here. Um, and they do the costume contest. They're going to have vendors. They're going to have artists. Um, definitely, if you're in this area, come check it out. So the other thing we have coming up um, that we're excited about is PAX Unplugged, uh, which is, um, many of you know we've talked about it, uh, in 2019 was the last time we were able to go uh, because that was the last time they had it since the pandemic. Uh, this year, though, it's happening again in December, uh, the 10th through the 12th. Yes, yep. uh, December 10th through the 12th in Philadelphia. So we they tickets just went on sale about a week ago, um, give or take. And we immediately got ours as soon as we saw them because uh, we're definitely planning on being there this year. I haven't looked to see if they're sold out yet. I don't. They definitely went much slower this year than they have in the past. Um, but I mean, seventy five dollars for the three day pass, which is fantastic. Um, Philadelphia, I think, is a great time. I enjoyed, you know, after the con, um, getting out and kind of seeing some of the city when we were up there last time. Uh, so that was good. But I mean, the vendors that they've already announced that are going to be there it's are a huge exhibitor list. There's a couple of names that I noticed they're missing. Yeah. Um, but it's not completely updated yet. They may still come. So it's not one of those things where I'm, I'm not worried about it by any stretch of the imagination. There's plenty of vendors that are going to be there. Um, but I did notice there were a couple of the publishers that were there the previous time that aren't going to be there this time as of right now. Right. So again, that is all subject to change. We're still almost two months out. Like I checked their website as well. Um, and I believe that it is, they are requiring vaccination cards. Yes, they are. So it's not just a vaccination or a negative, um, test. It is, uh, you have to be vaccinated. So, um, just a heads up if anybody is looking at it. Uh, like you said, PAX U, the 10th through the 12th. Uh, it's a weekend it, in December. It was fantastic last time we went. We had such a blast. It was our first big con, so we tried to do everything and almost died. Um, we're going we're gonna to have a lot more planning this time, and hopefully we'll have some good stuff to uh, report back to you guys. Right, so if you happen to be planning on going to PAX yourself, uh, if you do see us, stop by. We might have a pin or a lanyard we can drop your way. Uh, but by all means, we're happy to meet new people uh, whenever we go out and about. So right. uh, that pretty much wraps it up for uh, just kind of an opening segment. Uh, and let's jump into uh, some fun games that we can play this spooky season. So this is also the perfect time of year 
for some horror themed board games. Getting a group of people together, turning the lights down, maybe lighting some candles and playing something that gives you a little bit of a thrill um, is definitely a good time. So we've picked out five games that are on our radar. We have not played any of these, at least not recently. And these are all games that we've looked at or we've seen somebody else play them that we definitely want to try. So we're going to introduce them to you. And if you have the opportunity, go see if you can find these. So there are a few honorable mentions when it comes to horror games, I think. Um, specifically the Eldritch Horror type series. Right. You got Eldritch Horror, Arkham Horror, Mansions of Madness, Arkham Horror, the card game. All of those obviously fit well into this, that Lovecraftian horror theme is a classic. Um, so definitely something that um, would go right in with these. Uh, the five we picked out today, though, um, like we said, are ones either we haven't played in a long time or they are ones that we just haven't played at all and are looking forward to playing. Um, so first up on that list, games that we haven't played in a long time. It first came out in 1991. So this game is Nightmare. Um, it's kind of a simple board game. Roll the dice, move your piece, draw cards, be the first to collect all six keys. Then you have to move to the center of the board by rolling the exact number to get there. And then once you are there, you must roll a six on a typical six-sided dice to turn over the top card on a deck of fears, which everybody has taken an opportunity to write their worst fear down on this deck. And as long as the fear you turn over isn't yours, you win the game. Now, all of this is going on while a video plays in the background. And a character will appear on the screen from time to time to give you instruction. And they are known as the gatekeeper. I played this game in high school, so a long time ago. The gatekeeper was on VHS, if that <laughs> gives you an idea. Um, it's kind of it's kind of a little shock because you're watching the clock all the time and you'll draw cards that'll have you do things, you know, as it say at this time, you can take two turns if you have this card. And if that time's already passed, you just tuck it away. It doesn't count anymore. Um, but when you least expect it, you'll hear this thunder and clash from the TV. Um, if you're doing it right, turn the lights down low, turn the volume up and this face appears on the screen. And at that time, he'll tell you to do something or you'll skip a turn or you may get a bonus depending on who you are, or what character you're playing. Um, it, it kind of builds its own tension. Uh, it's interesting. Like I said, it's an older game. And I was we were doing some research for this. As we were doing research for this, I also found that you're only getting so much playability out of a videotape, right? Right. So people have gone in and made other videos to play along with the game. So you use the same board game, everything else. It's just, it's a different video and a different character popping up on the screen. Yeah. So this, this comes from the age of the um, VHS type video games. So there's of course like seen it and stuff like that. That came out around the same time where you would have the physical board paired with this, you know, videotape that was always playing. Um, so it it really reminds me, like as we were looking at this, of like this is kind of the early stages for the app assisted board games that we have now. 
uh, which of course are, you know, a, a thousand times more interactive and everything. Um, but still, this is one of those games that it's, it's kind of a classic uh, to today's gaming standards, probably considered hot garbage. <laughs> this is one of those more nostalgia type games. I would, I would consider it, uh, but definitely something that was different back in the nineties. Right. I definitely think like our older listeners, you know, like my age, you know, early 40s, you know, late 30s, like get a group of us together, have a few drinks and put this on. I think this thing would be a good time. <laughs> All right. So uh, bringing it up to uh, the modern era, <laughs> the next game that we want to talk about is the new standalone um, sequel to in the Horrified series. So this is Horrified American Monsters. Uh, so the first Horrified game that came out, uh, I believe it was a couple of years ago now, uh, made by Ravensburger, it featured the Hollywood, kind of old school Hollywood monsters. Like so classic. Yeah. Uh, Dracula, the werewolf, the mummy, um, let's see, Frankenstein and his bride. Um, Did it have the, uh, what was the fish, uh, the creature from the Black uh, the Lagoon? The creature from the Black Lagoon. Yeah. So in the game, you all, you pick a role and you have a different power that you can use and you're trying to defeat these monsters in very specific ways, depending on the monster, which I thought was really cool. The game was really well done. It's very easy to pick up, very easy to teach. Um, it's a cooperative type game. Um, it's very pandemic-esque. Uh, what this game does is keeps that same kind of um, feel as far as gameplay. And instead of having the Hollywood monsters, we now go to North American cryptids. So if you don't know what a cryptid is, um, you want to give an explanation of? So a cryptid is a creature that is believed to exist, but there is really no scientific evidence to back that up. Probably the most well-known cryptid would be Bigfoot. So thousands of sightings. A couple of shaky videos, a lot of stories, but we've never found a body or any evidence to really back that up. Um, and the FBI did release their report last year to confirm that. So, um, but that's that's what a cryptid is. Uh, so there are there are tons of cryptids all across the United States and the world, really. Um, but these pick some of the uh, more popular ones uh, that uh, are well known. Uh, obviously, first we have Bigfoot as one of the one of the creatures. Uh, the probably the second most known is probably Mothman. Oh yeah, out, yeah. Of, out of West Virginia. Yep. Um, if you don't know any of the like what these creatures are, like go down a quick Google rabbit hole because uh, some of the stories on these are absolutely hilarious. Um, there's some great kind of other podcast content out there and YouTube videos to take a look at. Um, so we got those two. Uh, the next one is probably the Jersey Devil. Yes, uh, which amazes me how many people don't know that one. Like, I thought it was pretty well known. Um, another great story, like this creature supposedly has been around since I think it was the 1700s when, he, when it was born. Um, it was the 13th child of Mrs. Leeds, and she cursed it, and it turned into this devil with goat legs and wings and a horse's head and either killed everybody in the room or beat them savagely and then flew out the chimney and lives in the pine barrens in New Jersey. You know, I talked, told somebody about that. And I said something about the Jersey devil and they're like, what are you talking about? And I was like, dude, what do you think the hockey team is named after? <laughs> so interesting. So yeah, the Jersey devil's in there. Um, so probably the next most popular would be the Chupacabra. 
right? Which is the uh, livestock killer slash blood drinker from New Mexico and that area. Right. Southern. Yeah, definitely. Southern United States, Mexico. Um, then there's the. The Ozark Howler, I think is one of the other creatures. Yeah. Yeah. The Ozark Howler. Um, I've, I have heard stories of the Ozark Howler. Um, it's kind of a more of a local kind of uh, cryptid. Obviously, from the name, um, definitely, you know, around the Ozark Mountains and stuff out there, um, which I wasn't real sure when I saw the mini. That's never what I pictured it looking like, but maybe it's just me. Um, And what's the last one? The Banshee of the Badlands. Right. Um, So all of these uh, monsters. So I I like the way they kind of package the game because we did actually pick up a copy. We just haven't had a chance to play yet. Um, so they kind of package it as if you all are FBI agents trying to investigate these creatures, uh, which I think is great. That's awesome and thematic. Um, but this is definitely one of those we are looking forward to. Yes. Because um, we really enjoyed the original Horrified. Um, I have heard that there are some um, spelling errors, misprints type really? in, in the game, which is surprising because Ravensburger usually puts out a very, very high quality product. But, I mean, we'll see as we play it. I don't know if it's something that would detract from the game or if it's, you know, we can kind of overlook. But um, so that's the next one. Uh, The other one on the list or the next one on the list is one that we actually picked up not too long ago, um, but haven't got it quite to the table yet. But it's perfect for this time of year. Absolutely. I've got this one recommended to me from our friend Leslie, who's been on the show. Um, She actually uh, her boss's son was the one that was publishing it or creating the game. And uh, it kind of has, it's won all kinds of awards. It's really taken off. If you haven't heard about it, you should check it out. It's the Night Cage. So you wake up trapped in a dark room, alone and empty-handed, save for one small melting candle. The big question the game asks is how long will your light last? So the Night Cage is a cooperative game. Players are allowed to talk to each other and work together, searching through this ever-changing map to find keys to open the gate and get out. When your candle is lit, you can see the tile that you're standing on and any adjacent tiles that the path leads to. But as you move, the area moves with you. And any tile that goes dark is removed permanently from the board. So you always have the potential for the board to change. Your goal and the goal of your companions is to find a way out by collecting keys to the gate, avoiding the pitfalls and monsters that are in here with you, and really a lot of sheer dumb luck. As you replace tiles on the board, your stack of tiles gets lower and lower. And once you're out of tiles, everybody's light goes out. So this game takes a lot of coordination for my watching it. Um, a lot of coordination for people to find the keys. And since you're holding your candle, you can only hold one other thing. So if you already have a key and you find another one, you may have to stand there and wait for somebody to come to you to pick the key up. Um, like I said, a lot of times with a tile game like this, it's just sheer dumb luck, whether you can, you know, get to the end of it and find the gate in the right order and things like that. Um, it looks like an absolute blast. The rules look real elegant. Um, the people that I've played it that recommended it to me said they had a blast and they were playing in the dark, which if there's any game that you play by candlelight, this is the one. Yeah, I could see this game definitely being one of those. Um, it is kind of black and white themed, so you don't have to worry about losing color and low light. Right. Um, it it I like the 
um, I like the mechanics of it, how tiles get lost <laughs> when you move away. Uh, it really creates that element of tension because um, it makes you where you're eventually going to run out of these tiles. Um, so, yeah, this is definitely one I'm looking forward to giving a shot to um, and seeing there are other monsters and things like that that can be on the tiles when you pull them out of the deck. Right. There are certain floors that once you move off of them, they just open up and become a hole um, so that if somebody is trying to move with you or move behind you, they can't anymore, right. uh, which definitely adds um, a cool element to it. Uh, but yeah, so that's that's one I'm also looking forward to playing. Uh, the next game we want to talk about, the next game we want to talk about is one that has actually been out for um, a couple of years because we first heard about it at PAX, um, but it has been notoriously difficult to get your hands on. Uh, that is Blood on the Clock Tower. Um, so any of you who have been around board games may have heard of this one. It is a social deduction game. Uh, that is made for larger groups. Uh, the story behind it is a small town has been invaded by a demon with evil minions. Um, and during the day, the demon is able to masquerade around as a normal person. But during the night, the demon strikes out against the town and kills a person each night. As a group, you can vote um, to execute one of the other members um, that you believe might be the demon. Um, you can do that each day. Um, and it's really... It really takes social deduction games and kind of takes them up a notch. Uh, so we mentioned Werewolf earlier, which is kind of the grandfather of social deduction, mm -hmm. uh, where you have the secret roles. You're trying to figure out who's who. Um, there's also games like Resistance or um, even um, Secret Hitler is another very popular one um, where you each player has hidden roles and it's up to you to try and deduce who is on your team and who isn't. This game kind of takes that and turns it on its head where each person does have a hidden role. Each role has a specific power, um, but there is a storyteller um, who goes through each of these phases and either gives like accurate information or depending on what is happening with the different roles, they might be forced to give inaccurate information to whoever they're telling things. So there are the base game, first of all, comes with three different character sets. Um, so each set has different characters with different player powers, um, basically creating this, making it three completely separate games. Uh, one of the things that really draws me to it is uh, the complexity that comes with that many things. Um, if you've ever played in a game of werewolf or tried to be the one who runs the game of werewolf, you know, it can be difficult for, you know, just having like those few different roles. Um, this kind of ramps that up, but at the same time, the game gives you tools and resources to make kind of keeping track of that easier. Um, it's a lot of going, um, uh, one of the best ways to describe it, I think came from shut up and sit down when they did their review on it. Um, they said a lot of social deduction games go from, um, like not knowing anything to being solved too quickly. Yeah. They, they miss kind of holding that element of tension. Uh, whereas this game, it allows you to really draw that moment out. Um, you're really not sure who's on your side and who's not on your side almost all the way through the game. Um, the other thing I like about this is if your character dies, 
like if they get killed by the demon or you get voted out or to be executed, you're not done. Um, you actually become a ghost and are able to still kind of politic and influence in the game. You lose your player power, obviously, because you're dead. But you actually still get one vote that you can cast at any of the voting sessions to try to either be like the the overturn vote or, you know, wait till the last, you know, voting session to try and, you know, make your mark one more time. Right. Uh, so that that right there is one thing I love about modern board games in general. The fact that when just because you're out of the game, so to speak, doesn't mean you can't keep playing. Right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this game looks absolutely amazing. It has stellar reviews across the internet of people who are love social deduction games, love this game. People who aren't really into social deduction games love this game. Um, and that really speaks to kind of the quality of it. Right. Um, I do know right now they, they just finished up a Kickstarter. You can still pre-order through the Kickstarter page. Uh, looks like shipping is happening at the end of November. So if it is something that you're also interested in now, you might actually be able to pick up a copy. So, yeah, I liked watching like so we watched the uh, shut up and sit down review and just talking about like the way that there's this disinformation that gets put out. It's so hard to figure out who is the bad guy. And even when you do, you may not be able to do anything about it. Um, It like this is a game. The one big thing that they did say was this is a game that does best with a large group. Right. So it technically plays from five players to 20. (laughs) Um, But they said the sweet spot is usually between like eight and 13. So I know sometimes for game groups, it can be difficult to get that quantity of people. Um, But if it is something that you have, or for instance, if you have a Halloween party that you're going to, um, that would be a great, opportunity for a game like this so maybe not this year uh but possibly next year right i hope to see this one popping up more um we're definitely gonna get our hands on a copy of it and we'll see how that goes so the last game that we have on here is dread um dread is described by its creators as a game of horror and hope the thrill of this game is the tension that is created through cooperative storytelling of this macabre tale as well as the mechanic that you're going to use for overcoming challenges. Dread feels like an like a game that is designed to be an RPG one-shot, right? You design your characters or you create your characters, not from like a character sheet, but instead you'll use a questionnaire that the host or the person running the game will create. And it kind of gives you a framework for your individual characters, um, understanding how they are and how they fit into the story. Players can ask questions, um, tell what their players are doing, just kind of like in a traditional RPG, until they attempt an action that is beyond their capabilities. Then we turn to the tower. So instead of using dice to determine if a character succeeds or fails, though that is an alternate rule that you can use, Dread uses a tower, like in Jenga. Players must remove a piece and then move it to the top of the tower without knocking it over to succeed. They may also choose just to take the fail by not moving a piece um, for whatever they're trying to do. The tower itself helps to create tension as knocking it over at any time means your character is removed. It's up to the host to determine what removed means. You may have your character die. They may go crazy. They may get locked up, but they are out of the game. Um, It also gives an opportunity for players 
to assist their party by intentionally demolishing that tower when it becomes volatile or when there's a lot of pieces being stacked on the top, causing it to be rebuilt and stable again, giving his party a better chance to succeed. So you get to go out in that blaze of glory. Um, first of all, the story that you're telling on this is probably a, it's a darker story. It's definitely a horror themed, but on top of that, we've all played Jenga sober or otherwise and moving pieces is just like, it can be nerve rattling. Put that on top of this is what you're doing to move your character forward in a story like that. And I think that is just like a brilliant mechanic to really build tension because you're physically building tension in the room on top of the storytelling. So one of, one of the things that struck out to me when we were looking at this was um, the ability to sacrifice yourself. <laughs> so if you have a like another character that is attempting a challenge, uh, which would be you know manipulating the Jenga tower, trying to pull a piece out, and you see that there's no way they're going to be successful, you can sacrifice your character by physically knocking the tower over which if it's an accident, that character dies or is removed from the game. But you can take that hit for this other character by physically doing that intentionally. And then your character, you know, hopefully whoever is running the game, you know, gives your character a valiant death or whatever. Right. So I, I thought that was pretty funny. A uh, very interesting, cool way to um, do the whole, you know, get down Mr. President. So, <laughs> yeah, I like that. Like, that part of it, when they were talking about it, because at any point, if the, if the tower falls, that whoever caused it's character is done. Like in the rules, it doesn't it's not specifically that if you're pulling a piece, if you bump the table, if you push the it's over, it's on you. But every time it falls over, it gets rebuilt and it's back to being stable and you start over. So I really like that mechanic. I can't imagine this game being as fun using dice. No. I think the tower and the authors and stuff put in the option to use dice, but I mean, they tell you like, look, you're missing out if you don't use the tower. Yeah. Um, so I like that one. That one sounds like that's a lot of fun. Like again, these are a great game to be have in the dark. Yeah. This is also, this gives me like great ideas for actually implementing it into D and D as well. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, but definitely, um, so those are just five games that we picked out. Um, I, I'm sure there are countless others that we did not think of or didn't come across, but these are five that we either have played, like I said, but definitely want to play again. Uh, so hopefully you guys have some as well. Feel free to drop us uh, a comment or you know send us an email of uh, ones that you're looking forward or maybe some hol Halloween traditions that you have, um, things that you always do possibly with your gaming group and things like that. We'd love to hear about it. So like we do with every episode, we are going to wrap up with our Kickstarter roundup. All right. Today we have three excellent projects for you. Um, a couple of them we are looking at backing ourselves. Uh, and a couple of them definitely need some help. So if you guys are hearing this within the next 10 days or so, um, feel free to check these out. Look at the links in the show notes. Um, go take a look at these. Uh, some of them are pretty exciting. So I think we'll start with my favorite one this week, uh, which is the 
<laughs> the edible gummy minis for tabletop games. Uh, I don't know how many of you out there, hopefully all of you have at least tried tabletop games. Now that we're getting back to in person, you know, minis are a thing that you want to have. Uh, but the first time I ever ran D&D, I used gummy bears because I did not have actual minis. So this brings back, you know, heartwarming memories for me. <laughs> Some nostalgia. Yeah. So what we have here in, in this project, uh, this company, which is Crawl Spaces and Critters, um, have developed a couple of molds for uh, gummy miniatures to be able to use in tabletop gaming. Um, the best part is once you defeat these monsters, then you're able to eat them. So it's great. So they, right now they have three molds. Uh, they have a goblin, a skeleton, and like a, they, I think they call it a paladin. Um, it looks human fighter type with shield and sword. Yeah. Um, so that's awesome. Excellent. Um, right now, though, this is one of the ones that needs your help. Um, as of time of recording, there are 12 days left to go. Um, they're about halfway to their goal. Their goal is 20,000. Uh, this is one I, I definitely am backing and would love to see it actually make, make it. Yeah. So taking a look at it, there are a bunch of tier levels here. Um, it starts at $8, uh, which will get you one packet of gummies. Each packet has about 45 gummies. And in the backer it that comes after the initial, um, the initial backing, you actually can choose your flavors and the different molds that you want in it. So it gives you full options. Uh, right now, I believe they have six different flavors you can choose from. Um, there's like a lime, a berry, a cherry, a marshmallow flavor. Sounds exciting. Uh, and then I think there's um, there's like a spicy one they have as well. Uh, and there might even be a pineapple and stuff too. So there's a, a bunch of different options they have. Um, the more funding they get, the more they'll actually have uh, to be able to offer. Now, the one cool thing I also like that they're doing is that as you back this, you can choose how many of these packets of minis you actually want to donate and they will send to the Children's Miracle Network um, of hospitals. Right, which is such a good idea. I mean, as an adult and a rather large man, the idea of getting to eat the gummy minis after I kill them in D&D is great. But can you imagine how awesome this would be introducing tabletop gaming to kids with gummies like yeah so we actually um we're looking at getting involved in one of the local high schools in their D, D club um volunteering and just kind of coming and doing like a couple days with them um something like this would be perfect for having just to teach especially even a younger generation of kids um, so this is definitely one of those that we're looking at backing. Uh, the next level is for $35. You get five packets of minis. So, and then you can, and as you buy these, you can tell them how many of the packs you want to donate and how many you actually want for yourself. Um, so the, the donations go all the way up. One of the funny things they have though, <laughs> if you donate, uh, $3,000 or more, uh, they will actually send you the original goblin test mold that they they made when they were coming up with the goblin mold. Uh, so that one's pretty cool. Um, they'll also give you a gummy factory tour, <laughs> which I thought was hilarious. Um, and yeah, so uh, although those are probably there's one of that one and there's also one for four thousand. That's a prototype mold. Right. Um, so while I don't know that anybody will actually back at that level. 
um that's still pretty funny that they do offer that uh in with their um different levels that you can back at um again this is definitely something that we're looking at backing but it does need your help um it's got about ten thousand dollars left to go and about 12 days as the time of recording here so that is honestly plenty of time if word gets out about this um even if you know we just get a bunch of people backing at like that $35 level. Who doesn't love gummies and who doesn't love gummies and D and D it's just, this is just such a genius idea that needs to be brought into fruition in our world. So go take a look, share it with your friends. We'll have the link to it. Like we always do down in our show notes. Next up, we decided that keeping with the Halloween theme, we were going to look for uh, some games or something very much Halloween themed. And we found the ripoff. <laughs> the ripoff, it describes itself as the ultimate slasher board game. Choose your character, which is probably, uh, which is a trope from some, you know, scary movie. There's like the pizza guy, the ghost hunter, the love interest, the eager stepdad. <laughs> So all these, it's, it's, I mean, it's a complete trope of the traditional horror movie right. uh, stand-ins that you find. And the killers are very basic, but legally different <laughs> characters that I'm sure we've all seen time and time again. The guy with the mask, you know, the, 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 the guy in the hood, the werewolf, that they're just all of your classic slasher ideas just not using any of the names that would get them sued so well done guys your characters have an entire uh, set of attributes kind of like a role-playing game strength luck agility sneak hindsight endurance and resilience so slasher the this game just looks like it's a lot of fun um, outside of the actual gameplay but um, watching them, like the video they have up on it. I mean, it seems like it's challenging. Definitely kind of a cooperative game. So this one has actually already reached its goal. Um, it only had a goal of 1250. Um, so it's still got 30 days as of time of recording. Uh, so it's definitely one you'll have time to check out and take a look at. Uh, introductory um, kind of buy-in on this is going to be $60. Um, so you get a, a copy of the game, obviously, and then you get a digital thank you from the creative team. Um, so that's pretty nice to have that in there. Um, you can also do, they have a donated level as well. You can donate a copy somewhere. Um, and then, uh, basically they'll ship it anywhere you want to. Right. Uh, the game also has a companion app, so it helps you track the gameplay. You can go in and have a look at that. I was looking for it comes with the companion app comes with a dice roller. Like at the $150 level, the offer is join the cast of ripoff. We will create a character based on you to be part of the game. Work with our lead artist to create your ideal slasher victim. <laughs> like I love that when like artists, I had a friend of mine who ran a Kickstarter for a novel and I, I donated to, and I got to name two of the villains, right? So that'll forever, once that gets published, be my own work that I got to put in there. But that sounds uh, that sounds like a lot of fun. Like we said, this one is already funded. 
Um, we're looking at shipping in February of 2022. All right. So the last one that we have for today um, also deals with the horror theme. This is called Mutated Monsters Evolve Your 5th Edition Campaign. So a lot of the Kickstarters that we've talked about have had to do with 5th Edition role-playing. Different um, new source books, new editions, new things like that. Um, Because there's so much wonderful like user-created content um, that comes with 5th Edition. This one looks like one one of my more favorite ones that we've ever talked about. Um, just because I was a big fan, we ran the Ravnica campaign. I was always a big fan of the Simic Guild because this is what they were all about. Um, like creating these mutations through the Guardian project, um, under the guise of protecting the city, but they would always seek to like put monsters together, um, somehow combine them so that they would have different abilities and powers. And that's exactly what this book is all about. Um, so You get a couple things here with this. Uh, One of the things that you get is an actual book uh, that it has about 120 plus new monsters, uh, 100 or so new magic items and loot. Uh, There's some mutation inspired subclasses. There is over 10 different new monster layers. Um, There are uh, layers. L-A-I-R-S. Yes. You said it and I was like, wait a minute, monsters have layers? I thought onions have layers. I had to go back and read. So just so we're all clear, <laughs> homes of monsters. Go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> you know, like layer actions. There you go. Okay. Uh, there are um, new gods of ev- evolution. There are unique quests and things like that. And of course, some NPCs all in the book. What you also get are uh, some decks of cards. Now, what these cards are... Um, used for is they are ways to modify current monsters that you're using so there are like aberrant adaptations magical monstrosities and then mad science so what like what we're talking about here so there's one card that says like armored so you the creature is mutated in a way that now it has an armor Um, there's like a, a magical mishap where like now this creature who should not be able to use magic has some sort of magic effect happening around it. Um, there's one that is called Mecha, which is a very like steampunk version. Like this creature is now, you know, it's made of metal. It's no longer, you know, just the organic type creature. Um, so all of these are really cool because it gives you access to like these kind of um, all right, so I don't want to throw the same old monster number four at my party. What can I do to make this thing different? Well, shuffle up a deck, draw a card. All right, now your whatever um, is now covered in armor. Or now it was created by a mad scientist and is half machine, half creature. So all of these things really open up a whole like plethora of different options just for the monsters in your campaign. And I absolutely, especially if you have somebody that knows that has played DD for a while there are certain monsters that we just memorize and we try not to metagame it but this is a quick way to take a metagaming party and throw something at them that they're absolutely not ready for mm-hmm. like oh we could take that oh wait it now shoots lightning that's new yeah. you know so yeah the whole idea behind this i mean there are some horrifying looking creatures in here there's a dragon turtle that's half shark instead you know going with the horror theme 
Uh, there's plenty of, you know, nightmare juice in here that you can take a look at. Um, but even for, you know, your regular campaigns, this has the potential to be outstanding. Absolutely. So this one is also completely backed already. Um, in fact, well, well backed. Of the 15,000 they requested, they're already at 47, almost 48,000. So it still has 22 days to go. So definitely um, still have time to go in and take a look at it because they do have a lot a lot of really cool extras as well as um, in addition to just the, the general reward tiers. Um, so speaking of those, um, you can start at, um, of course, a dollar, which most of them have. Um, just to get access to the um, Baccarat survey after, um, so you can do your pledges then. Um, for $30, you get a PDF and digital copy of both the book and the cards. Um, that's the easiest low level of entry, uh, which honestly, for something like this, is probably all most people would need. If you do like hardcovers like we do, uh, that starts at $45. You actually get a physical copy of the book as well as a digital copy. Um, jumping up to the next tier is $90. Um, you actually get a hard copy of the book. You get a set of the cards. You get the digital copy of the book. Um, they also include a set of dice, um, and a soundtrack <laughs> for the mutated <laughs> monsters, as well as some stickers that come along with it. Um, so that's pretty cool. I have no idea what would be on that soundtrack, but I'm sure it would be excellent. Uh, especially for running kind of a mutated monster horror theme type um, encounters. Um, so if you go up, the next tier is $160. Um, so the difference in this tier, uh, it gives you, um, they make a, I have a mini basically that they have created one of the mutated monsters. Um, let's see, you actually get, um, you get all three of the different card decks in this set instead of just one. Um, and you actually get a custom GM screen that they made for it uh, to go along with all the other um, stuff from the Roar tier above it. Uh, and then the next one down, the last one is a $300 tier. Um, it includes everything that we've talked about up to this point. Um, you also get a gemstone dice set. Um, and, and in addition to the regular just resin dice, um, you get uh, a couple mini packs. Um, so you get one that has like four smaller minis and then you get a mutated T-Rex mini, which sounds awesome. Um, you get all the STL files for all the miniatures. So those of you who have access to a 3D printer, you can print all of those. Um, and then you get a cool like silicone dice case uh, to keep your new gemstone dice in. That looks really good. I like. I know that's a for a lot of us. Three hundred's a big one, but they've kind of they've marked it down. MSRP on that is like four eleven. Yeah. So um, you can also do a lot of that as add-ons. Um, if you want to get the decks, they're twelve dollars for each physical, or six dollars for PDF. The GM screen is twenty bucks. Uh, the sharp edge resin dice are thirty seven, um, and then the case to hold them in that silicone case is like seventeen. So you can kind of piece it together if you're not ready to commit $300. Uh, like we said, they are already funded, well-funded, and they have got 22 days left. We're looking at shipping is going to be December of 2022. Right. So there are some stretch goals involved. Uh, they're very close, actually, to reaching their next goal. At 50000 they actually put three new playable races into the book. Um, so I can only imagine what those are going to be. Um 
And then the next stretch goal they have listed right now is at 75,000. They have a token pack that they'll send out to all backers regardless of tier. Um, so yeah, this looks like it is um, another excellent project to take a look at, especially if you're looking for something a little bit different um, for your campaign. Um, or if you're like me who just likes to collect D&D resources about various things because you never know when you might need that. Um, this is one of those, especially for the, the digital versions of them. Um, it's a pretty good deal for 30 bucks. Yep. And with the last cards, the monster has been vanquished and the city is free from the curse. I've been Josh. And I'm Jim. And from the Dabbler Meeple, good night. Thanks everyone for sticking around and listening to our show. Hey, if you enjoyed what we're doing here, follow us and leave a like. It really helps us out. And if you have anything to say back to us, you can find us on Instagram or Facebook at the Dapper Meeple or at dappermeeplegaming at gmail.com. And as always, we'll save you a seat at the table.